Hi everyone, Dave here. Welcome to another episode of Legends of the Spire. Uh, it was actually Tom Denton, I think, the last episode I bought out, which seems like a while ago now. Um, to be honest, it's just getting harder to find players um, to talk to, uh, but when I do find them, I have a good natter with them. Uh, so I am back with one this week, and I also have one recorded for next week as well, so we'll have a few coming out. Um, this week, I had a good chat with Steve Spooner. Now, Steve was part of the Chesterfield squad between 83 and 86, a pivotal member of the title-winning team in the 84-85 season. He has a great knowledge of the players that he played with and everyone's role in the team. So if you're a supporter around then, you'll find it really fascinating. Uh, and if not, you'll find out about a load of names that you should know more about. So hopefully uh, the start of an adventure uh, of finding out more about the spy rights of the past. Loads of them which I have talked to in previous episodes, so please do check them out. Steve then actually uh, left Chesterfield but came back in the 90s. In a couple of seasons he didn't have that many appearances just due to injury, uh, so ended up going into coaching. Uh, he actually played quite a long time in non-league as a player uh, whilst also doing bits of coaching uh, and then has been at Birmingham for ages, I think 16 years now, uh, so he's with Tom Brady uh, down in the West Midlands. Uh, Steve has an amazing, vast wealth of experience in the game, both as a player and as a coach. So it was great to have a chat with him uh, about all that experience in the game. Uh, and hopefully you enjoy the episode. Uh, now we do have another issue of Linda's Sandwich Shop, the fanzine all about Chesterfield FC that is out now. Uh, the front cover is an amazing illustration by Graphic Bomb uh, of the Saltergate Toilets. And you can also buy the zine with a print as well. So the link to buy it will be in the notes to this episode. Uh, so here we are with the latest episode of Legends of the Spire. Let's get on with it. Uh, this week, it was a joy to speak to the one and only Steve Spooner. Here we go. I was looking at uh, kind of your, always start off on someone's Wikipedia and stuff like that, you know, like you do. Um, and it says you're born in Sutton, so but then you started at Derby. So, mm. what kind of happened in between that for you to have <laughs> started there and ended sure. up at Derby? Yeah, well, it was um, as you say, grew up in Sutton, um, and um, when I was about twelve, uh, I got asked to go for a job by the scout at QPR, mm -hmm. and. Um, I subsequently went to, to join QPR. Then some of the staff from QPR left and went to Crystal Palace. And uh, I was fortunately one of them that they they said, you know, we, would you like to come over? That was before the days of, of registration like mm -hmm. today. You, know, you didn't sign any registration until you was yeah. 14 in them days. Um and yeah, I was at Palace and, and enjoying it. And one of my mates played for Chelsea and, and I knew Chelsea had been after me for a while, but I didn't particularly like the group of players that was there because they was like my adversaries in the Sunday teams. <laughs> um, so anyway, I went to watch me mate in one of these games and uh, sorry, in training. And um, one of the coaches said to me then, he says, uh, you know, why don't you come and join in? And I said, no, no, I'm all right. And they persisted. So I went and joined in in this friendly game. And uh, and they said, look, you know, have you done this? Why don't you just join? And uh, I got on well with the players and that. And so I, I signed for Chelsea. Um, signed associated schoolboy forms, which was at 14 years of age then. Mm. And um, 
And then at 16 years of age, I'd been out for about six months with injury and um, I didn't get offered a scholarship. Um, but if I'm honest, I'm not so sure I would have there because there was, you know, a group of players that went on to play in Chelsea first team and other mm. teams in London. We had an extremely strong group. Yeah. Anyway, it was uh, Dario Grady was the coach at Chelsea. Uh, he left and went to Derby. I had some opportunities to go on trial to Gillingham, Millwall and Tottenham. Um, and by this time, I thought, you know, it's going to do me good. I had, unfortunately, I just lost my mum then at 15 years of age, uh, youngest of four. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go and try life up mm -hmm. north. And, uh, and to be fair, David, that was one of the best things I ever did because I grew from a boy into a man overnight, you know, moving away from home, uh, and so you must grow to... up fast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they put, put us in digs, um, but the um, the groundwork probably wasn't so um, severe. Mm. I don't know if that's the correct word as it is now. You know, they, they we, we was put in an air, area that uh, probably wasn't the best of area for young players to live in. Um but uh, yeah, so that was the start of my career up up north and in full time football in um, nineteen seventy seven. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. What was your what was your landlord or landlady like in Diggs? Um, if I'm honest, I'm not quite sure whether they just was pleased at the money or they was genuinely concerned for young people. We we had a, a lounge in there on our own in the front room. It didn't look like they had a lot of money as a. Yeah. It was only a young couple and. Um, you know, looking at their own family home, it didn't look like, you know, they had a lot of money. So, uh, um, but yeah, we were, we got through it. There was four, uh, was there three of us in there? Yeah. And, um, you know what it's like when you get a group of lads and you, you have a common goal and it's, um, yeah, we, we encourage one another and we got through it. And then, I wasn't in then digs long, and I, I moved out to, to other digs, um, and uh, and then that, them digs were better. I moved in mm. with an old lady who treated me like a son, uh, and it was fantastic. I never forget my um, it would have been my second pre season at Derby County, um, but my first with her, and. Um, I come down the first day of pre-season and she had laid out egg, bacon, sausage and everything for me. I can't eat that, she said. Well, my husband went on work to work with that in his stomach for X amount of years. But I said, no, I've got to run around, you know, and I'm going to struggle with that. So um, after that, she was she was a lovely lady, dear old lady who, who really looked after me. If you'd had that spell out injured as well, that's kind of the age, isn't it, where you want everything you want everything yesterday, didn't you? So it must have been yeah. frustrating to have that spell oh, injury when was. you were to Yeah, and it was an overuse injury that I had. And um, I had carried on playing on it when I should have been resting. Mm -hmm. And it, it got to the point where it was so severe that I have to add, I had to have six months off of all sport completely, which... You know, when you're used to doing it day in, day out, it was very hard for a 14-year-old boy. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I got through it. And uh, But I say, uh, you know, when I came back from it, I, I sadly lost my mum. And um, I think, if I'm honest, I, I think I lost a bit of appetite for, for mm. football then, you know, because there was 
far greater things going on in my life mm. at the time. Mm. Was there anything else that you ever thought of as a career? Um, apart from no, no, from probably from the age of, of 12. I mean, there's no one else in the family who was who was sporting as such. My my brother played local football and he's probably the one who I'm told from memories of childhood, you know, give me a football and that, and we started playing. Um, but, you know, growing up in the, the 70s, the late 60s, early 70s, there was a lot of charismatic players around, you know, George Best, Rodney Marsh, Frank Worthington, and all these kind of players of this ilk. Um, and they were kind of superstars, you know, with the, the fashionable clothes mm. and the, the the, the ladies and the fancy sport car, sports cars and um, and you know that kind of tickled my fancy I quite fancied some of that and so you know I, I got really got into it and, and then you know found something that I was good at um, and uh, and it, it went from there mm. so what kind of what kind of player were you then when you when you first started would you would you run rings around people when you were? Uh, uh, yes, I was. I, I I became a different player later, but I I was more of a front man slash winger in them days mm. um, that had pace to go past people, uh, and I had one or two tricks. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of morphed into a different player as I got older. I tend to to lose a lot of them tricks, mm. um, and a little bit more of a bog standard up and down player uh, with you know lots of energy and I uh, uh, could run all day long and you know I had some some power and strength in there but uh, yeah very much a different <clears throat> different player when I was younger mm. they're almost like two of the most exciting players on the pitch aren't they mm. either you winger front man that's kind of got a few tricks or you kind of box to box up and down as, yeah. as a fan watching they're the yeah. they're the two kind of player types that I quite like watching <laughs> yeah yeah sure both yeah yeah yeah, well, there's um, and and I, I all depends what what you know why you you uh, you you have a slight toward you know mm. there, there's those who like the skillful players and then there's those who don't and and when the skillful players are not performing the people who like the up and downers are normally the ones who give out the stick to the skillful ones yeah. and vice versa. <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not one of those fans that are expecting attackers to be good at defending and defenders to be good at attacking and yeah. I, I sit uh, near plenty of people like that and you just kind of think come on you're not expecting him to throw in a sure. tackle are you <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly yeah yeah i remember uh reading some wise words from a coach that I, I remember taking into my coaching career they said you know when you listen to the comments of the people sitting behind you then it won't be long before you're sitting with them so <laughs> yeah. Um, very wise words. Yeah, that's very wise. I was I was reading a book the other day, and he was talking about you don't have strengths and you don't have strengths and weaknesses. You have attributes, and yeah, your attributes uh, are, a, are a great thing in one place, and they're a terrible thing in another place. <laughs> so it's just about no, finding your right wise. place. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of obviously started at Derby, there, but then you am I right in saying you kind of made your name at Halifax? Yeah, once again, um, and I had it at Chesterfield, and I had it throughout my career. I was I was blighted with injuries uh, at certain times. Um, I had just got in the first team at Derby, and I um, I ended up I, I broke my leg twice, um, and that kind of 
stunted my progression because, you know, it took a significant period uh, out of my career. But um, long story short, yeah, I, I got asked to go on loan to Halifax Town. I, I, I turned it down to start with and then I got persuaded that it would be worth my while. Um, so I went up to Halifax on loan originally in the December of, I think it was 81. <clears throat> and um, went on loan there and, and and they liked me and I liked it there. Uh, they offered me a contract. I was I was getting married that, that summer, that following summer. Um, so, you know, they were, were offering me more money than I was on at Derby and uh, uh, the prospect of a signing on fee as well. And um, so I spoke it over with my wife. We was we was going to go to New Zealand to play in New Zealand. And um, so it was all about change and we agreed to sign. And I remember coming back to, to the old baseball ground with, uh, I think I was going to, there was some signatures that needed doing and, um, David Webb, the old Chelsea player who was a teammate of mine at Derby at the time, he said, and this is pre-emails and mobile phones and that, you know, he said to me, you haven't signed for Halifax, have you? He said, I was I was wanting to take you to Bournemouth. He had just become manager at Bournemouth. So complete different ends of the country and complete yeah. different, um, yeah, the... the, the the people and the, uh, the the places in their self was completely different. But um, no, I, I ended up going to Halifax and <clears throat> had a, a really lovely time there. Um, and, um, I, you know, I banged a few goals in, I became captain and uh, yeah, it went, it went really well for me. The, the team, we, I think it was the, the first, my first season there being on loan I, when I agreed to sign. Um, we 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 done okay. We was in and out, but the the following season we had a really good run. Um, and I think if we the manager had had the finances available to him, that uh, we might have got a few more players in and uh, and gone on to to really challenge. Uh, but I, yeah, I had a lovely time there. <clears throat> Salt of the earth, the people, fantastic. The, the the board of directors and everything and the players it was one of them times where you you know you you the whole team were together and um you know we used to socialize with one another our wives and girlfriends and uh, yeah it was i have fond memories of, of being up there you know when you're you're playing down at that level it was a it was an absolute wake-up call for me when i went there because although derby wasn't anything as the way a Premier League team or First Division team would, or Championship team's training ground would be now, it was significantly better than um, than Halifax. Mm. I, I remember going in uh, the dressing rooms and you could smell the damp. And, um, you know, we had, to, we had to train on a, a public piece of land that was, was on a slant. Uh, and it was that bad. The winters up there. I remember my mother-in-law. She she knitted me a balaclava to to train in up there. I mean, she thought I was in the SAS or what. Uh, but it was, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was a good grounding for me. And yeah. I've, I've quite often passed that kind of 
uh, the my experiences on to to the younger players that mm. I've I've had over the years. Character building, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, so then, obviously, you then we're here to talk mostly about Chesterfield. So it was obviously it was obviously a uh, a good time for you then at Halifax because, like, say you get that stretch of games and mm. experience and things like yeah. that. So then it was 1983 you came to Chesterfield, wasn't it? So yeah, what? How did that all come about? Do you remember? Well, uh, previously at Halifax, the late John Duncan, sadly, um, he he was just got the job at Scunthorpe. And he came in for me there and Scunthorpe offered money. Chesterfield turned it down. Um, anyway, the uh, I think it was the following summer, I think, John got the, the job. And I played with John uh, at Derby and, and John knew me and knew my strengths. Um, and um, he made a phone call to me saying, that, you know, would I be interested in, in joining Chesterfield? <clears throat> Uh, and he told me about the new plans, the new owners, and, and everything seemed so exciting. Um, <clears throat> but the problem was that that Halifax wanted uh, more money for me than Chesterfield were prepared to to pay. But in them days, there was a like a an arbitrational way of of doing things, and it was the um, the uh, like you could go to. A transfer court if you like and um, there was two ways of doing it you can either agree the fee before you went and if it uh, if it went above that you would it was a conditional one an unconditional one and um, I forget what we we ended up with but long and short of it was I didn't personally have to go there to manage the club that had representatives there and it was judged a certain fee and uh, Chesterfield paid that and um, and that's when I, I came to join them in in year 83 mm-hmm. yeah and what were your first impressions then of the of the town and the area well, when you joined yeah it was exciting because <clears throat> uh, I was one of several new players so we was all in it uh, early on so to speak and um, you know there was some existing players that had been there before but uh probably a lot more newer ones coming in than previously. Mm. And so there was, you know, a time of bonding and all that there. And um, it was exciting because there was a buzz around and and we got caught up in that and was, you know, really excited for the, the season to start. Um, but we, if our memory serves me correct, we didn't have the best of starts. Mm. Um, and so that obviously brought on some pressure. Uh, but I think we stabilised through that. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah. So when I I first come in, it was yeah, <clears throat> a very 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 uh, bubbly atmosphere and a, a good environment to come into. Yeah, because like I say, we had a building that season was the building, wasn't it, to then uh, win a title. Uh, yeah, the season after. Um, yeah. There's loads of I've been very I was very fortunate to have a good chat with John Duncan um before he, he sadly passed and mm-hmm. spoke about that time and how he was kind of a stem assembling those mm-hmm. um little chess pieces, I suppose, to then yeah. um uh make the, an assault on a on a promotion. What was what what was your kind of role then in that in that team? Um well um 
John, me and John used to have discussions about this because I'd always, in my professional career, I'd been a central midfield player. I played at the back occasionally for, for Derby reserves, but predominantly I was a, a midfield player. Now, <clears throat> you know, John is very structured. John was always very organised and he had clear defining lines of what he expected from players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little bit too footloose and fancy free for to play the centre of midfield for John. He didn't like the way I ran on and left the the uh, midfield spaces open, which I'd done. I said Halifax and uh, the uh, previously at Derby, and I'd scored a few goals. Um, but uh, no longer, uh, no no matter how I used to try and argue this case with John, he wouldn't have it. He he saw me as a, a wide left, me on one side, Steve Kendall on the other. Uh, and um, my role within there was to, uh, when we was out of possession, it was to come in and play like left back and let let Sean get it, move in one, and we would play with a almost a a back five, and the opposite fullback would go out and put pressure on the ball, and I'd slide in to make a four there. But equally, when we, we won the ball and we countered attack, John would fully expect me to be able to sort, uh, sorry, to support uh, Bob or Ernie. And mm. uh, so that required, you know, legs that enabled you to get up and back. And, um, and I say because I was a fit lad and, and John always recognised that in me, that was his expectations of me. And uh, I was expected to get up and deliver crosses and, and score some goals. Um <clears throat> And um, yeah, that was that was my memories of of you know playing with in John's team, the very structured, very organised, uh, and you know he was he was very much like that as a person as well. We had clear, definitive ideas of how the game should be played, and he wasn't for Swain. Um, so that was my role within that team. Yeah. And you, you echo what everyone else has said to me and what he said to me himself is that, you know, everyone knew what was expected of them. Uh, I, I thought it was great when he was talking about, you know, fundamentals that he would have in terms of, you know, score more set pieces than you concede and, uh, and never get um, never get caught on the break, I think was one. And there was all these little things that he would, he would talk about. Absolutely. So, training was well drilled, wasn't it? Oh, very much so. Yeah, very much so. To the point sometime, um, and and I only recognise it, you know, now when I went into coaching myself, I I didn't realise at the time how good John was. Um, and sometimes on Fridays for a game, you think, oh, John, please, not more set plays, set plays, mm-hmm. set plays. Structure of, of, of yeah, your defensive shape and that. Um, but I came to appreciate them um, in later on in my career when I, I became a coach as well. But yeah, the, I, I remember them words. So I hadn't heard them words that you said there, but it was from the man himself. Yeah, absolutely. It was, yeah, set plays for big Alan, big Ernie, Newt, uh, big Stevie Baines, you know, get the ball in the box to them and let them do their bits from set plays for and against. And, uh, as I say, Newt was a, a great foil. You know, the ball would go up to him and Newt's would make that ball stick to enable us to, to join him for the counter-attack. Uh, and um, 
You know, I, again, I, I don't think I've ever played in a team who won so many games 1-0. Yeah. You know, or by the odd goal. And it was very, very few and far between did we ever take the thumping. I think one game I particularly remember, we went to Spotland, which was Rochdale then. Mm. And uh, I think they beat us 4-0. It was the year we went up, I think it was. And um, and it was like shock and disbelief because you know, this just doesn't happen to a Chesterfield team. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the only game I can remember, you know, when we really got turned over. Well, there was certainly no talk of death in the air when the Blues went out to do battle with Middlesbrough. Having earned a one-goal lead in this Milk Cup, first round, first leg tie a fortnight ago. 15 minutes from time, but Middlesbrough got a goal. Heine Otto scoring the goal which sent the match into extra time. Malcolm Allison was a relieved man, but no further goals meant a penalty shootout. The first seven went in. Then Chesterfield's goalkeeper, Jim Brown, faced the next kick. 4-3, and here's Gary MacDonald. All it needs is for Alan Birch to slot this one into the Middlesbrough net. If he scores, Chesterfield will be through. So some of those players around around then, you know, like the Jim Brown, Steve Baines has been on the podcast, Sean O'Neill was on, um, Bob Newton was on, Alan Birch, you know, some who who did you really enjoy kind of playing with in that team? Were there players you well, were on like the same wavelength with? Yeah, I mean Bertie, I used I used to love Bertie anyway. You know, I travelled with him a few times. Um when we was up at the old Colite training ground. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was living obviously in Halifax and, and he was a Barnsley man. We used to meet up and, and travel in together. And he was such a, <clears throat> a bubbly character. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the way he played the game was the way he was off the pitch. Yeah, he was he was fun to be around. And of course, Newts, you know, Newts, you had to be careful when Newts was around because anything <laughs> could happen. Yeah, you know, he, he used to kill me on on days. There'd be Steve Kendall coming in in with a plastic bag on on the bike, trying to sweat all his calories off, and that uh, before we'd get weighed on a Friday. And <laughs> and Big Bob had just come in. Bainesy was there with his clipboard, ready to weigh us and and put down our weight. And uh, you know, I I was always scrupulous with with making sure my weight remained the same and um, Bob had just come in he'd, he'd say something like to Bainsey well oh, 15 half stone just put me down for that <laughs> and he'd say no I want you on there he said no I'm not getting on there I'm 15 and a half stone let's leave it at that uh, and um, you know Newt's had this facade that he he didn't really care but he did care mm. he cared a lot um, very kind hearted man very kind hearted uh, and uh, my wife and his wife used to get on well together. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the legend, Ernie. You know, Ernie was, um, uh, you know, 
probably about 15, 16, maybe more years older than me. But, um, you know, he was always one of them. There's a younger player you'd go to for advice. Uh, you know, Sean was there as well, would would come from being a steward in the social club to, to come in and play in yeah, left yeah. back. Yeah. And it was an unbelievable story. Uh, yeah, we had we had Kendo on the other flank. And we had Hendo in midfield there. Big Bainesy and Les Hunter. Um, yeah, so I said Alan earlier. Yeah, Les, big Les. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, Brian Ferguson. I think it was Brian, wasn't it? Yeah, Ferguson. Yeah, he's been, yeah, he's been on, yeah. Has he? Yeah. How is he now? Is he is he okay? Because yeah, he it was, yeah. Well, no, I was speaking to him. Yeah, we had a good chat about um, about David Bowie mostly. It seemed <laughs> really. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Good <laughs> taste. Um, so yeah, again, we had a great camaraderie as a group. Again, stories that I I've used with spoiled players nowadays. You know, we I remember going into Saltergate and we we used to have to put towels over our clothes because the condensation would drip onto our clothes. And we come back from training, it'd be soaking. We go in there, be no heating. We used to gather around um, the heat, the heat lamp when you know Kev Randall was physio as well, and he'd have the heat lamp. We'd get round there to to get warm and and I remember one year when the, the snow was particularly bad we uh, we didn't have no orange footballs and um Brian Scrimger the old Brian he um he went and bought some spray paint from Halfords some orange spray paint and and we sprayed the the white balls orange but um you know, so obviously after a little while, when the snow had got on them, the water got on them, it started coming off and that. <laughs> um, and, you know, when we won the championship, we a lot of the time we could never afford pre-match meals. we take our own pack up en route uh, and eat it. And uh, when we played uh, on the away games, on if we was up in the north, um Les Hunter would, would always, his family would bring their, their infamous pies from up there and they were fantastic. And we'd have a sing-song, the beers would be out, the cigars would be out. And uh, we'd, we'd have a good old sing-song and, and great times, fantastic mm. times. And, you know, they're the things that get you through a lot. And we had some real characters in there. but And you need that in every dressing room. Uh, but there, there was a real sense of, listen, we're in this together. Yeah, you, re- you need that camaraderie, don't you? And I, I remember speaking to, I can't remember which player it was, but they used to talk about how kind of pre-match you would have Bob kind of running around the dressing room kind of full of energy, but then you'd have Ernie at the other side just reading the paper. Yeah. And you kind of need those th- that oh. variety of characters, don't you? So that oh, you I, I remember someone was talking about when David Reeves, obviously um, from later on mm, like how yeah. he would be the really good one at cracking a joke if they lost just to like lift the atmosphere you know you need yeah, that yeah. variety of players don't you yeah yeah oh you do a dressing room consists of all the walks of life but <clears throat> some nights to be left alone some are very serious pre and post and um some you know the jokers and you need the jokers to to make a little light of, of things at times mm. because you know, when you're in there for fifty odd games a season, and and you're, you know, you're you're with one another a lot of the time. You, 
you need that. And, um, you know, we also have some social nights together as well. Yeah. Um, again, all good team bonding. Um, and then, you know, you knew that come a, a Sunday, you had to ease down because you knew what John would have in store for you on a Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> and we was extremely fit as a team because we used to have an old Great Britain veteran used to come in and I don't know if any of the other players have told you about yeah, him. Yeah, he's been, mentioned <laughs> him before, I think. Is <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, we used to do this this running that was was incredible. Um, but that sustained us. Um, but I remember, again, I was out for a significant period of time. Within that, I had, not long after I, I signed, I, I got a, started to get a problem with my groin, which um, accelerated to, uh, you know, I couldn't even, when I used to cough, I used to have to put my fingers in my stomach to, to try and hold the pain and, got to the point where I, I couldn't put my trousers on. I had to sit down and, and put my trousers on. And But I I was, the reason I carried on because I was very conscious of the fact that John had gone to tribunal and put his neck on the, on the block for me. And um, I wanted to repay that and I didn't want to be injured. Mm. Um, and I carried on through that. And I remember we played at, at Turf Moor. Um, I think it was the year, uh, no, no, it wasn't. It was a, another time, yeah, but I, I digress. But I on there, crazy enough, it, was, it wasn't marble, but there was like marble-like floors and, and we came out of the dressing room and um, I slipped and, and the groin that I've been struggling with, um, I opened that, that up and, um, and then that was, uh, for me, that was a, a period of time that I... Mm. I had to have out. I think I was out for about six months. Really. I think that was in my first year. Yeah, I was going to um, say, because you played about 20 games, I think. In, in the first year. First, the first season. Yeah, 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 that was it. I had a chronic pelvic strain. And um, I went to see the specialist and he said, you've got two options. He said, either smash the pelvis and reset it, but you'll be on your back for about a month in plaster. Or you can take the option of, of resting and, and not, absolutely doing anything and I remember we at the time I had a two-door fiesta and my little boy and I, I couldn't even lean across to put him in the back because of the pain um so I chose the latter and rested and 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 then came back to the pre-season which fed in nicely to the to the successful year breaking dreams were wiped away after only five minutes when Chesterfield fullback Sean O'Neill shot them into the lead with the goal which Hereford keeper Kevin Rose will want to forget for more reasons than one. But it took United only three minutes to hit back and what a good goal it was. Harvey set things up with Stuart Phillips finishing it off. Hereford though then had a bit of bad luck. Fullback Chris Price was injured when he toppled over the boundary wall and landed in the crowd. He was carried off and taken to hospital and was fortunate to escape with cuts and mild concussion. It was all square at half-time, but four minutes after the break, Chesterfield went back in front thanks to this goal from Steve Kendall. So title winning seats so were 84-85. Like, what, 41 league appearances, I think, that season? So pretty much it? Yeah, whatever. Ever yeah, present, weren't I mean, you? Yeah, that's it. And um, yeah, I was—I'd been fortunate that year to to stay free of injury. 
Um, yeah, oh, I mean, some of the games site in them days, you know, with the mud and that, you know, there was and Chesterfield, like the Saltergate was like a, a lot of the, the grounds around then. It, mm. You get to November, December, January, and it was, um, it became hard going, but uh, yeah, I was I was blessed enough to to get through that season without too many injuries, and uh, you know I certainly picked the the right season to to get away with it. And uh, you know I remember then 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 closing months as we we neared nearer nearer the title. I think it was I think it was Hereford at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was close to us, and you scored in it, that game, didn't you? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And subsequently went there after. Uh, Yeah, I I distinctly remember the goal. Yeah, bouncing in front of me and the keeper come out and I I just lobbed it over the keeper. And we was outstanding as a team that night. It was was one of them performances that you you thought, we're going to do it because this this was outstanding. I don't know if Darlington was was close with us that year as well. Yeah, there was Darlington. Yeah, there was Darlington. Yeah, at the end of that yeah, year. yeah. Is that um, it? You, do you get those games in a season like that where you just like as a team? Yeah, you like. Yeah. yeah, we've got it now. Yeah, you think this is this is us, and I I think going back to speaking about the one nils, you know, I watched Arsenal the other night against Palace and. For their lovely football, they they really had to dig in at the end when they went down to mm-hmm. ten men, and and I remember them days with with Chesterfield where we was winning one nil and we had to dig in, and you know people getting blocks on for one another, taking taking a, a tackle, a smack on the head from the opposition. You know, there we 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 was really together and we was galvanised and, mm. and then one nils you keep on thinking then listen we're formidable you know we've done this so often we're, we're not going to get done you get the odd one where they, they you'd concede but there was a firm belief that through the organisation of, of John and Kevin that we was we were going to go on and, and do it and see it all the way through yeah absolutely and you talked about goals so I think you scored six in that season yeah. Um there was a Exeter, 5-1 win against Exeter. Mm, mm, yeah, a, very windy day, remember. Yeah, um, Aldershot, Rotherham, Chester, um, Hereford, and then against Halifax as well. So what what was mm. it like when you scored against old teams? Did you celebrate? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was none of that. You know, I'll play it down now. There was none of that. You know, that part's done and I'm now with these. Um, yeah, I always had respect for my, my former clubs, but... I realised the fact that, you know, I was playing for a new club now and they were paying my wages. Um, and it was never done with any vitriol because me leaving clubs was was the, fortunate enough that mm-hmm. it was never I've been kicked out. It was literally that that someone wanted to buy me or, or take me. So, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, I remember, I think the order shot one you're on about was, I think it was all the shot away, wasn't it? And it was a um, a very, very frosty day, very icy. And uh, yeah, I hit. I think I'm not trying to big it up, but I think it was about a thirty yard screamer that flew in the top corner. Uh, and it was nice because I had a lot of family and friends down there at the time, being from down south, and they'd come over and there and saw the game and. Um, 
yeah, I remember, I think it was me and Matty. Yeah, we, we drove down. We I stayed at John Matthews' house the night before. And, uh, yeah, and so the little things clicked into to place. And I seen John the other year as well, and he's, he's still living down the southwest. Mm. Last time I spoke to him. Um, and, you know, you talk about him, you know, talking about players earlier. What a player. Yeah. You know, do, so- do you still kind of... When you meet up again after many, many years, do you just kind of yeah, click you back slip, into Yeah, you do. Yeah, like you was. go back to, to yesteryear and, yeah. You know, particularly when you, you meet up with someone who's still in the game as well and you go back and do you remember that? Do you remember him? you remember when that happened? you remember that game when you done that? And, oh, yeah, what about... Yeah. And so you do. It's a little bit like all our yesterdays, but it's good. You know, dear old Kev, when I used to see him out on the, the, the scouting days and uh, and uh, we'd always reminisce over a story and uh, mm-hmm. uh, always remember him and he's always extra strong mints. He always had an extra strong mint to suck. <laughs> and uh, his white plimp soles running around sort of gate. Yeah, <laughs> getting some getting some moles in and that. And uh, one of them, I say running around sort of gate, one of the memories of John and I, I've used it myself, I thought is a classic bit of uh, John Duncan psychology. We um, we I, I we had we hadn't trained very well in the morning and John says, Right, all back this afternoon. And it was a ridiculous time. It was something like we had finished at twelve and he said, Right, I'll see you at three o'clock this afternoon. So and we'll be out on the track. So everyone said, Oh, Trainers on, he's going legging it now. So we all congregate on the pitch. John goes, right, go and have a walk around the side of the pitch and I'll see you back here. <clears throat> we walk around the pitch and everybody's sort of going, oh, what's he going to do now? He's going to have this up in the stands. He had a, a run that he loved up the stands around the pitch and then back up another one. <laughs> anyway, we got around the other side walking. He said, right, clear off. I'll see you in the morning. Don't ever do that again. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Everybody's thinking, oh, we're going to get it here. And I say, I've, I've used that myself since. And because uh, mm. players think they're, they're really in for it. But, you know, you kill. The worst thing a player wants is to hang around waiting. Yeah, yeah. They, they, want, they want to get off home. And um, so that was masterclass by John. Mm, absolutely. So what was the what was the celebrations like then? After winning that title, uh, is it relief ju- when you get something like that? Yeah. Or is it jubilation? Oh yeah, I forget when we when we realised we had done it. Um, again, it was you know you had to rely on radio and then kind of things. There wasn't the kind of modern technology mm. around then. But I, I distinctly remember, and you're you're probably know better than me, David. When um, we went to Peterborough, I think it was on a May bank holiday. And uh, all the Chelsea fans dressed up in fancy dress, and that was <clears throat> that was a real party atmosphere. And and just it's it you hear people talk about it, and it is it is just sheer relief. Mm. It's the emotions that you know over a long season, the highs and lows. We've done it. We've blown it. You know, are we slipping away? No, we're back in it. You know, two results, you maybe lose and then you go back and you you win another four or five on the trot. And 
and it, it is the emotions go through the roof and of course you know family get caught up in that as mm. well and um you know they have to deal with the moods the the lows of defeat and the, the, the highs and enjoying the victories and um you know, fortunately enough, my wife always brought my, my children over to games and that, so she was very much involved with us. And uh, I remember my, my dad and my brother come up when we got presented with a trophy and we still got pictures of them blessing them. They're both departed now. Uh, but um, me, little, me boy, when he was little, hmm. excuse me, of, of just been on the pitch with a trophy and, uh, you know, uh, to see, uh, you know, get a, a winner's medal, not a runner's up. I've had a runner's up later on when I was at Mansfield. Uh, but to, to have a winner's medal and, and everything just culminating in in that, it's just it's an unbelievable feeling and, and something you know, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, experience uh, again. Season after then, so uh, we're obviously upper division. Uh, you again, you played what thirty-two games, something like that. Scored a bunch of goals as well. Mm. Uh, I think five goals that season. So was it adjusting to that league above? Was it? Yeah, I, I, I think the there's still a gulf between certain leagues now. Um, I, I, I think. Because we went up, we we maybe needed to be a little bit more expensive that that following season than we had been previously. Um, we needed to probably not rely on what we relied on so much because each don't know what John's views was on it. Um, but you know, each time you move up a league, it requires something else and and some other players and. Um, don't know what the finances was like at the football club then, but um, you know I'm sure John would have wanted to bring some more additions in to to bolster the team mm. um, and and to kick on. <clears throat> um, but yeah, certainly remember suffering a, a lot more defeats in in that season than than the previous season, and um, you know it's a great habit to get into the winning and 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 when. You don't have that taste and that again. It's uh, you know your your weeks become longer, uh, your games are tougher. Um, but you know there's always going to be a, a big ask for us. And um, you know I, I I I think once again during the season I think there was a good team spirit that mm. enabled us to to keep going. And you know under good stewardship and, and good guidance from, from John and Kev, we, we managed to keep going. Yeah. So you actually, you, you left Chesterfield, but then you came back. Yeah, yeah. Really so strange. That, yeah. Obviously, you had a spell in between, so you left in 86 and you came back in 93. Yeah. So give us a quick potted yeah. history. <laughs> well, um, yeah. 86, I, I felt like it was time for a, a change for me. Um, and um, knew Hereford was was interested in me, and um, I um, I had probably not been in the best of form 
um, that that final season. And once again, you know, it's a, a transfer fee agreed, and uh, and that that took me down to down to the the southwest. Um, and interesting, um, I, I don't know if it was on the end of my first season. Um, I got a phone call from John um, when he got the Ipswich job, mm-hmm. asking me if I'd be interested in in going to Ipswich. Um, and I still astound myself now. I one of my first questions I said to John, you know, where would you, where would you see me playing, John? And he said, where where you did at Chesterfield. And I said, well, I'm sorry, John, I, I don't want to play that that position. You know, I'm enjoying my football playing in the centre midfield where I saw it. And, uh, you know, I'd had a few teams from higher up come in for me as well. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to carry on playing my football in, in the centre of the pitch where I enjoyed it and I felt that I could contribute the best. And, um, you know, so, yeah, my performance is warranted interest from, from clubs above. Uh, and um, you know, I was scoring goals, enjoying my football. The the kids were, um, we moved down there as a family, and um, you know that was that was that. And then the um, I had two years there. Uh, they offered me a new contract, um, but uh, I had a phone call from Sheffield United asking if I'd be interested in going to Sheffield United. Um, which I explained that I would. Uh, I had uh, York City came in for me, and um, it was it kind of sounded like Chesterfield when I first went there. They they'd had a disastrous season the season before, finished way off the rest of the teams in the relegation, and um, and they told me they was rebuilding, going to bring a load of new players in. Um, and uh, so uh, I I had agreed with um, York that I would sign and Sheffield United. I I knew that that Sheffield they actually told me they said listen you know as all clubs do they get a list of players they put them in a bracket and they say right he's number one he's number two. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where I was. But time elapsed, so I don't think I was that high up the list. I think I might have been third or fourth, you know, out of possibly four or maybe five. <laughs> um, but um, so I, I agreed to um, go to York, and um, and there we uh, we had a very different time. Unlike Chesterfield, the the, the York dressing room was very split. Um, and um, you know, as I mentioned previously, if if you haven't got that camaraderie and that teamwork, mm. you're going to struggle. Yeah. Um, and but I I done quite well myself. Uh, and Rotherham came in for me, offered a part exchange plus cash for for me, so I was on my way again to Rotherham. Um, went uh, to Rotherham and. Um, once again, the injury situation blighted me. I taught me hamstring, come back, and I think I'd done it again. It was stop, start, stop, start. Um, Mansfield came and showed an interest in me. Uh, and uh, I went on loan there with a view to uh, 
uh, a deal and um, the loan went reasonably well. They they offered me a, a new con uh, a contract there. Um, no, no, sorry, I did I? No, I didn't go on loan. I beg your pardon. That was wrong. That was Blackpool. Um, yeah, so I'm for Mansfield and um, I finished that season uh, with Mansfield, Mansfield and Rotherham. I often have a joke with people. I'm the only person to take two clubs down in the same season. As <laughs> <laughs> I played for Rotherham earlier and then Mansfield. With four minutes to go, Rogers got himself into awful trouble on the halfway line and paid dearly for it. Howlett breaking clear. Dunn making good ground alongside him. His shot, well saved by Leonard. But another ex-Chesterfield man, Steve Spooner, was on hand to complete the rout. York 4, Chesterfield 0. John made a call to me and says, look, you know, would you be interested coming in? Uh, and I, I got myself fit. And uh, I think it was Lincoln away, my first game. And um, John, after the game, he said, I can see you're fit. It's not a problem. Um, I'll speak to the chairman. And uh, I think it was Norton Lees at the time. Mm -hmm. And... Um, John come back and said, Norton won't give you a, a, a full contract. He wants you on a couple of months to to prove that you're perfectly okay. And um, I, I, I think after Lincoln, we played Crew at home. I think on a on a Tuesday night, um, and I finished training on the Monday because I've always been, uh, you know, into my fitness and I just felt I hadn't done enough. So went and done a bit of hill running and and. At the end of it, I felt me me ankle, and um, I wasn't fit for the next game. I was out for for several weeks with this ankle. Um, I'd had surgery at Blackpool, but the ankle kept swelling, kept swelling, and Chesterfield sent me down to Lillyshaw, which was the place of rehabilitation there. And after every training, they kept drawing syringe after syringe of fluid off. Um, I came back and managed that and um, I got back into training again and um, the the scar split I remember feeling a wet patch in my ankle and uh, the scar with the surgery my ankle split and uh, I remember going to see a specialist over in Chesterfield and he, he said to me then he said you know you're if you don't let me do surgery now, he said, not only will you never play football again, you'll never walk properly again. You've got septic arthritis setting in. Um, so went and had surgery again, and he, he cut into a place uh, that had previously been cut, but it transpired that the, the problem was, was stitches that were supposed to dissolve, didn't dissolve, and they kept flapping against my tendon sheath. Um, and they felt the best way forward would be not to, to close the, the surgery, but to leave it open. Uh, and I had to lay on the settee for weeks, just letting the, the, the injury heal from within and, and build up. I used to have to have a nurse come around and pack it with, with seaweed. <laughs> uh, strangely enough, there was some component in this seaweed that, that assisted. Um, and then I went back previous season and uh, done pre-season, but 
hamstring went again and uh, couldn't get a contract. And um, Sean Deitch, uh, he's travelling with Deitchy and, and mm. Nicky Law. And uh, Deitchy said, listen, you know, I've got a friend, he's dad's manager of Russian and Diamonds. Would you like me to speak to him for you? And 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 I he did, and, and I went to Russian and Diamonds on trial and, and subsequently signed for them and had a really good time there. And so that was the end of my time coming back at Chesterfield. Yeah, I played. I don't know how many games did I play when I came back. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I've got it on here about five. I think about five yeah. in the yeah ninety three ninety four, and then about seven in the ninety four ninety five something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was playing left back as well. Um, and strangely enough, I, I was quite enjoying it, <laughs> uh, but. You know, as I say, I, I couldn't the 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 ankle injury that I say ended up with three operations on it just wasn't strong enough to sustain me through it. And then I got associated injuries, uh, maybe through my own fault because I was too tough on myself the way I trained. You know, I used to work extremely hard, and and looking back, some of my my days of enjoying, you know, apart from that forty one game you was on about, Dave. You know, I was. I think of Burton, I went to Burton Albion. I, I played about 55 or 56 games that season. I think non-league suited my body then. You mm. know, I yeah. I finished when I was just short of my 40th birthday at Gresley Rovers. And, and that was because I broke my arm to pieces and I had to have plates and screws put in. Uh, and that's when I retired when I was, was 39. And um, I just had enough of rehabilitations mm. and surgeries so that that brought about my my playing career to, it came to an end then. is it is it kind of tough when you're uh like personally it must be really tough to have those spells of injury and stuff that you have to mm. go through but also with it being a team sport and a collective mm. sport do you almost at points i've spoken to other players before where they said oh you know i felt like a bit of a bit of a burden to the squad at that yeah, point yeah, because you, you know it's you've you're part you're of a team aren't you so you don't want to let other yeah. people in the team down but yeah, personally and, as well and you're helpless because you you know you 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 can't do nothing about it as well I <clears throat> yeah I think at times as well it, it can be lonely as well when you you haven't you don't want your teammates to be injured but it's nice when you have one or two in the treatment room mm. with you you're having a laugh and then you go and do rehab together or you're down the pool or in the gym and there. And, um, but, you know, once again, the, the facilities at Chesterfield was where we was, you know, that we wasn't blessed with wonderful facilities and, you know, you, you didn't get exposure to all the kinds of stuff that you, you get now. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember days traveling over the Derbyshire, Dowels with over the Peak District in the snow and out on the bikes, um, and you know trying to get fit and that, and uh, you know you keep going because you know there's there's loads of players that have had this. You keep going because you 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 think of the days you've had in the past and the days to come, and you want to get back to it. Um, but yeah, they can be lonely, dark days, but as in all times when you have tough times, you know they're the old saying about tough times never last, but tough people do. And you, you've got to keep on fighting through it. And, um, you know, when you get back in the dressing room and you've had a 
a workout and out, you're feeling a bit down and then the banter starts and then you start ripping you to pieces and that uh, and winding you up and that and that's they're they're great things that that keep you going. <clears throat> Especially if you're in a car with Nicky Law and Sean Dyche. Oh yeah, that's right. It was never quiet, that's for sure, <laughs> with them too. Ever get a word in edgeways? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I just used to sit in the back and uh, <laughs> pretend I couldn't hear them because the speakers were on in the back. <laughs> <laughs> So you kind of mentioned you went into coaching. Obviously, you've, you've been that must have been great for you. Was that something you wanted to wanted no, to go into? Was it a natural thing? No, I always wanted to, to go into sales. Hmm. I just um, had this I don't know, the feeling of being out. I, I because you know football is like no other job. You know, I've been fortunate that I've had the best job, and then I've had the second best job. Hmm. Um, but I, I always fancied this, this freedom of being a, in a sales person and out on the open road and a nice car and fancy suits and, and all that. Uh, so it was never my intention. Um, um, but I, when I, I left the game, I, I tried to get into sales, but it was always very much, well, your CV just speaks of you being a footballer and it's, you know, I'm not quite sure how that's going to benefit us. So I I took a punt and I went um, in a sales team on telesales and, oh, David is, oh dear, that put me off sales altogether. The, you know, I, I couldn't lie, I wouldn't cheat and so therefore I didn't get on. Mm. Um, but the one thing I could come home and, and put my head on the pillow at night and knowing that I hadn't been deceitful to anyone because to listen to some of them salespeople, wow. Yeah. Um, so I thought, you know, what am I going to do? And um, I, I I came out of there, fortunately enough, um, at Russian and Diamonds. We, you know, it's quite a good wage, so I could carry on from just my wage there. Um, and give me a chance to think about what I wanted to do. And uh, I, I started to do some coaching, enjoyed it. I did some work with the council um, and then at Derby County. Mm. This was when where they was going from the, the centre of Exxon through to, you know, the inception of, of academies. Uh, and I, I started to work with an age group and, uh, and it just grew from there. And, um, you know, I've been in it. Well, probably what from the age of about 37, 38 now. I don't, you know, I was, I was player coach at, at Gresley for a little while, and then I was um, playing manager at a spell with playing manager at Burton. Hmm. Uh, and um, you know, I've, I've, I've enjoyed all the roles. You know, I was first team coach at Notts County for a while, and I was first team coach as well as youth team coach at Russian and Diamonds. Um, so I've, I've filled many roles and, uh, you know, I think that's, that's helped me, um, in, in the overall job, but, uh, it's changed tremendously from, from when I first came in very much. So, you know, I, or I, I remember saying about five, six years ago, there'll come a point where you'll have to have a, a teaching qualification as well as a coaching qualification. And, um, and I, and I think, I still think that that will happen. Although you know, there's 
there's lots of elements within the coaching framework now that is is related to, to teaching and, and the psychology of, mm. of teaching as well. So, uh, yeah, it's not just, it's not coaching as I would have known it when I was growing up. And obviously now Birmingham? Yeah, yeah. Been and there, there for, uh, well, 18 years now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible run. I've been very fortunate, very blessed to have been there as long as I have. Uh, seen a, a lot of change with different managers, gained mm -hmm. a lot of experience working with different managers and seeing how they set their teams up and the managerial style and, and work with some really great coaches. Uh, and, you know, been fortunate enough to be involved with, you know, players that have gone on and graduated from us on to, to the first team and, and then get sold for big money and then mm -hmm. play in the premiership and then go on and um, play at international level. And that. So, you know, it, it's, it's been a, some hard times at Birmingham, but there's been some really fun times in there. And, and the, the greatest part of my job is that you're, you're helping young men to become what they want to be. And that yeah, involves not just the football, but the psychological, the social and, and, Passing on my experiences uh, and the good and bad that I've I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and and hopefully helping them to to shape their their future careers. And Tom Brady. Wow! Yeah, That's yeah. Right. I mean, have you met him? <laughs> you no, he's only he's only he's only been been in <laughs> once. Um, we one of the benefits of our club has always been that we've been on one site the training ground is the training ground for the scholars the 21s and the first team but uh, last year we had a fire at the training ground it decimated the first team training ground they uh, sorry training dressing rooms and our canteen so they took over wasps um because they went bust and mm -hmm. uh well they're so they're housed there now so we don't see so much of the first team environment as we used to see um, but yeah, he went. Tom Brady went down to to the game and that, and um, yeah, several people did meet him. But I I haven't had been in the fortunate position to meet him yet, and I, I'm really hoping that he'll he'll do some kind of uh, evening with the coaches, you know, yeah. to to tap into his ideas and the, and the people because you know there's a lot of flip over flip overs between various sports now and. And coaches swapping ideas. You know, I was over in the States in the summer and, um, you know, I had a, a couple of hours where the guys from Texas Rangers mm. uh, and, you know, very informative and, and learning about them and then learning about us as well. And, and uh, you know, you, you get them opportunities to, to travel and, and to meet certain people and that. And, mm. uh, you know, that, that, that helps you to to improve yourself uh, as well as to improve aspects of your job. So I just wondered if there was any kind of constants that you've had throughout your career, because you get a lot of, I've spoken to a lot of footballers, those ups and downs, peaks and troughs in a football mm. career in terms of title wins, injuries, or, you know, um, clubs that you maybe don't fit in as well as but the clubs then, then that you do. And this, this thing, like that, is it kind of family and things like that that have been the constants? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I'd say I can uh, appreciate everything the former players have said in that because as we've touched on in this, mm. that is very much 
the situation. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's the worst job when you lose and it's the best job when you win. And then it's about finding the balance in between. And, you you know, you, you get that better at that as you get older. I wouldn't say you master it, but you get better at it. But, yeah, definitely for me, my, my family has been a constant. You know, my my wife and my children, two children, um, you know, they've, they've always been there to support me through the highs and lows, you know, the promotion runs and then mm. the the injuries and, you know, my wife, when I said I was on the settee waiting on me hand and foot, you know, helping with the bandages, the strappings, the waking mm. up in the night for tablets and can't get this. I can't, and, and, you know, a, a few of the moves that we've had, and we've had quite a few, I've been in plaster and on crutches when we moved. So <laughs> the wife had to do all that as well <laughs> while I sat by. Um, and yeah, they're always the ones that, that get overlooked. It's only at moments like this and interviews that we've done in the past that you get the opportunity, you know, to thank them in public. Uh, but obviously, you know, we, me and the wife, we've been together about 43 years now, you know, um, maybe known one another longer than that. So, she knows me very well. I know her. She knows when to leave me alone uh, before games and after mm. games. And she's now got the knack of being able to say the right thing at the right time. Uh, and, you know, I hear stories of, of past from from managers' wives and that, and the managers have just gone home and wrecked the house and that, you know, through anger and frustration and temper and that. And I, I've never wanted to be like that. I, I try to to leave it at the front door when I come in and uh, the beauty of it's hard, but it's good as well. I still live in Derby. So I travel every day to Birmingham and you know, the, the traffic and the road works and that add time to your journey. But what it does, it gives me an opportunity to, to relax a little bit in the car mm. and, and calm myself down. And that's so that when I come through the door, I try to give the best version of myself instead of, of the, the worst version. Um, and yeah, though I'm creeping on in years now and I've been in the game a long while, you know, I still have that that passion and love and uh, and the desire to to want to to be successful mm-hmm. and you know help players to be successful. Um, and I think you know all the time you've got that inner drive to to improve yourself and those around you, you're going to be all right. And uh, you know I, I know. My work in life, there's a lot less in front of me than there is behind me. But, you know, I look forward to that that day when I can, can say, yeah, it's my turn to give it up and let someone else step in now, safe in the knowledge that, you know, I've had a, a wonderful time playing and I've had a wonderful time coaching. Right? I haven't been at the top, but, you know, there's places for everybody. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I... You compete against yourself, and if I can always, I've always tried to live on a philosophy. There's a you know a poem called "The Man in the Mirror." Uh, I don't know if you've seen that, and it's it's all about looking back at that mm. person who's staring back at you. Yeah, and I've always tried to have the mantra that if I can look myself in the face and say, you know, I've give it my very best, then you know you. are you'll win more battles than the ones you lose if you, if you have that kind of philosophy. And um, But, yeah, I've enjoyed myself. You know, football's been been good to me and my family. And, 
that's just a fantastic sport. And going from, you know, the inception of our conversation about how it all started with the love of football in the 60s and 70s, you know, I'd still go now over a park to watch a game of football. If I knew there's a game of football on, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd go and watch it because, you know, I love the game. So there we have this week's episode with Steve Spooner. I hope you enjoyed it and it brought back some great memories uh, of his time at Chesterfield. Uh, we wish him all the best. I uh, hope to see him at a Chesterfield game sometime soon. Uh, as always, I have a load of episodes uh, from yay back, uh, loads of people who Steve both played with and played under, so please do check them out. They're all there in the archive to go and listen to or watch. I'll be back next week uh, with another player. Uh, until then, fingers crossed for another three points from the current Chesterfield team, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.